Come on, church. Good morning. Give it up for Jesus this morning, right? Man, oh man. Man, it is great to be back here with you. It's another Sunday. What does that mean, church? Amen. It is our fun day. Now, we get to come and sing his praises and celebrate an awesome God and also celebrate lives being changed by Jesus Christ. Either lives coming to him, surrendering their people surrendering their lives to him, or people being changed by his word, drawing closer to become more like him and less like the world. Church, I believe Jesus changes everything. I believe Jesus is the game changer for life. And I believe if we allow him, if you allow him, he will change yours too. Um, it, this is just one man's opinion, but a life without Jesus just doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Amen to that. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online this morning. We love the fact that you're, you're tuning in. I pray the same for you, that you realize how much God loves you, how Jesus can change your life if you let him. Uh, thanks for tuning in this morning. Hey, if you're new here, welcome to Vertical. Come on. Yeah. We are stoked that you decided to come and hang with us this morning. I hope you realize that today that we are all about Jesus in this place. Yeah. We, we mentioned his name a lot. We hope that when you walked in, you were made to feel welcome and wanted, that you come back again next week as we continue to chase this life, live for and with Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm glad you were here. Church, we are seven days away from the best Sunday ever. Come on. That was about 28% of you. The best Sunday ever? Can we give it up a little something? Come on. You know, in seven more days, it's going to get all crazy around here. You know, it's going to be a little crazy. Uh, I want to ask you to continue to invite, continue to pray over this event, that God will do more than we could ask or imagine, that he'll show up in that day. Uh, people will come who don't know him as Lord and Savior. They'll hear the message of hope, and they'll get to the point in their lives that, okay, I know I need this Jesus, and that will do just that. And also, it's a day for us for, to invest in our community, right? It's a day to get our, outside and invite our community and say, we love you. We want to make a difference in your life in the name of Jesus. So continue to pray, continue to invite. It's going to be an an amazing day. A couple of things if we're getting to that. If you are serving, if you signed up to serve for that event, we're asking you to attend this service, the first service. Because the whole idea is for you to come here and get your worship on, you know what I'm saying? And then go out there and get your serve on. That's what we got to do. You come in and worship and get, then you head out there and get ready for to, to serve our community. If you are coming... And you're bringing people with you, have friends and co-workers you invited. We're asking you to come to the second service. Why? Very simple. Because right after service is over, you can go out there and get into the event. It starts right after second service. We want you to come to the second service because we, we know it's going to be piling it up with people. We want to make room for more. We know some of you are not going to listen to me and you're going to show up for service anyways. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Someone just said amen. We're not listening to Rich. Right? Um, but the idea is to get us prepared to go to these, to, to second, after second service, go out to enjoy this event. Uh, but that is just seven days away. I am stoked. Please be praying. Uh, God can do something amazing that, that day. Uh, church, before we get into this morning's conversation, I want to share where we were going next. As we step into the best Sunday ever, we're going to be stepping into or kicking off our new series titled Fanatic. We're going to be called Fanatics. Uh, I'm really stoked about this series. We've been pre preparing for it and praying through it for months. Um, 
It's gonna, we're going to have some fun in this series, and just so you know, it might get a little loud in here during this series. Um, but in this series, we're going to walk out and be challenged to live our lives out loud for Jesus. What does that look like? What does God call of us? You know, we live in a world right now where extreme enthusiasm and crazy behavior is expected and even championed by the things that you are passionate about. You know what I'm saying? All things except Jesus. When we are crazy and living out loud for Jesus, people are like, you know, just keep that stuff to your home, in your own self, in your own life, and keep that inside of the doors of your church. We don't need all your Jesus freak stuff around here, you know what I'm saying? That, that's what the world says. Be crazy what you want, but not about Jesus and not around me. But as I dig into scripture, man, this is exactly what Jesus wants. That's exactly what he called his church to do. Jesus doesn't want us to be fans like, yay, yay, Jesus. No, he wants us to be fanatics. You know what I'm saying? All right. That's next week. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have some fun with that series. Today, today we're bringing to close, uh, we've been current series, we've been walking through how to be rich. Now, as I shared that, some of you did some mental fist pumps. You're like, oh, we're, cl- we're ending this series? Yes. We're not going to speak about money more? Yes. Thank the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Right? We're not going to. I saw some mental bubbles. The reason is we get, if we talk about money, we become very uncomfortable. Right? We would rather go to the dentist and have him do whatever he wants to our mouths without Novocaine. Right? Than talk about money. And the reality is we need to have these conversations. We need to talk about what finances and money because what the world has trained us is completely opposite than what God says in his world, in his word, right? We are surrounded by and have been raised in an unhealthy culture when it comes to money and finances. It's all about getting rich. That's what God says in his word. It's not about that. And when we're surrounded by it, right, when it becomes like what we're inundated with, we're being bombarded with it on a daily, our perspective starts to change about money. Our perspective starts changing like the world when it comes to our finances. And when our perspective is wrong, our attitudes are wrong, when our attitudes are wrong, what we do with what God has blessed us with is wrong. So our whole idea was to shift back to, to this idea of what God has called us to do. And listen, listen. I understand that some people in this room with us might not be followers of Jesus. Right? You came in this morning because you were invited by your friends. You just showed up this morning and you're just kicking this, the tires on this Christianity and hearing all about this Jesus stuff. Man, I'm, just, I'm stoked that you're here. I am. I love that you're here because as we walk through this conversation this morning, if you were to pick up God's word and understand and read it, what I believe is so practical when it comes to money, even if you do not believe in him and you live out his financial principles, your life would be better financially. I believe in God's word at that point. God has called us to live a certain way, and if you said, oh, I don't believe in God, just try it. See what he shows you when it comes to living financially. So to get this idea, we need to realign our perspectives. I challenge us as a church to memorize one verse. Does anybody know what that verse is? What is it? Throw it out. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalm 
23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Eight words that challenge us on the daily to make sure our focus is where it needs to be. Our perspective of what we have. Praise God. It was end we last week. Praise God for what we have. Praise God for what he's doing, right? The Lord is our shepherd. And a shepherd provides what we need. And you always provide what needs to be happening in our lives. He protects us and he provides for us. In the last two weeks, we've been walking through and having a conversation with a guy named Paul. He's a follower of Jesus and he's writing to his young Padawan. His name is Timothy. Timothy was a pastor in a church of Ephesus and he's telling him how to share with his people about what to do with what they've been blessed with. Let me say that again. What to do with what they have been blessed with. Remember, listen, it's not what you have that matters. It's what you do with what you have that matters. And that's what Paul is talking to Timothy. That's what Timothy is to teach his church. And in fact, let's look at 1 Timothy 6, verse 18 uh, on the screen. It says, command them to do good. This is what you call the rich people to do. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. Paul's command for the rich, was to do good with their wealth. By the way, as we shared in week one, we're all rich. Congratulations. Do good with your wealth. And not just be positive what you're doing with your wealth. Not just feeling a life of luxury. To use what God has blessed you with to help others. To be generous. Our core value, right, is we give because he gave. Right, We give. It's a posture of heart surrendering an area of our lives that we want to have the most control over while we give freely because God gave us everything. And God has called us to be generous. Now, as I said that, right there is a moment that many of us in this room have been waiting for for the last three weeks. When I said be generous, some of you in the room said, oh boy. You took a hard gulp because you know that I know, that you know, that we all know. In fact, do me a favor. Let's stop right here. Look to the person next to you and tell them, I know. Like that person you just ignored on the other side of you, I know. We all know, friends, I'm going to talk about you, me, we being generous. Like, oh, great. I'm so glad I came to church today. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about generosity. It doesn't always come easy for some. I believe every single one of us in this room, maybe you're watching online, that we all have generous thoughts. But actually being generous doesn't come easy for some of us. And it becomes even harder and even obsolete in our lives if our hope has migrated to our wealth and if our perspective is just like the world's. But if, friends, if we were to pick up this book and read how God has called us to live with when it comes to the money and finances, church, I'm going to say it. Read your Bible. Read your Bibles. Because if we were to pick up and have a conversation with God, all the scriptures of when it talks about money, wealth, and finances, there seems to be a deep-rooted connection between the Christian faith and us being generous. Jesus. Anybody know Jesus? Yeah. 
Yeah, Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. His brother James. James warns people about hoarding their wealth. Peter, who walks side by side with Jesus, warns leaders of the church not to be greedy. Paul wrote to several different churches talking about money and finances and wealth issues. We need to be generous. There's this thing in the scriptures that God has called us to, as Christians to be generous. God knows we cannot or will not be generous if our hope is on our wealth. If our perspective has migrated to what the world believes to be true. See, because if we have a tight grip on our money, our money will always have a tight grip on us. It will always hold us captive. And it's time to set the captive free. You know what I'm saying? Amen. All right, let's get into this. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16, we're starting at verse 1 this morning. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you will find it on page 788. 788. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, or page 788 in our orange Bibles when you came in. By the way, if you grabbed an orange Bible and you do not have one, take that. That is our gift to you. If you saw those orange Bibles and you don't have one, grab one on the way out. We desire for you to have a copy of God's word in your hand. You with me, church? All right, you're there, 16, verse 1. Just take a second and ask God's blessing on this conversation. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the, the amazing worship. We stand and sing you praises this morning. God, as we continue to dig and worship you today, open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. Lord, I know this is a hard conversation for some of us to have and to walk through. I've been there, done that, doing it this morning, but it's true. Your word is the truth. And so, God, I pray that you set us free and not be held captive to the things of this world and understand how you've called us to live with what you have blessed us with. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Church, being generous, becoming generous is a process with us. There's a process that we walk through because too many times when we think about being generous, we look at where we're at and think about where generous looks like and we say, okay, that is too big. That is too far for me to step. There's no way I can go from here to here because that's what I see being generous looks like. And what happens is when we don't go through a process of what it looks like building generosity into our lives, we look where we need to go and we look like, you know, it's never going to happen. I'm not going to do anything. The other thing inside of this is that we think that being generous, we think that this is large amounts of money. Like, I need to be generous. That means I need to give all this money. That's not true. So when we think that way, we don't give anything. We're not generous at all. What we need to do as a church is to bring these wrong thoughts that are driven by the darkness and the brokenness of this world. We need to bring them before God. Say, help me change my perspective. The core value, again, is we give because it gave. And as a rea reality, when you understand why we do what we do, when we give back to the king, because the king gave us, us our everything. So it's not about the big jump. It's not about the big amounts. It's building that right perspective. And I say it's a process because I don't know too many stories of people who overnight had a heart transplant and became generous. You know what I'm saying? The only, I started thinking through this, maybe you can show me after service, but I started thinking, the only person I thought that a heart transplant and became extremely generous 
was the Scrooge. And he's not even real. Okay? Paul, writing to another church this morning, is going to give us some insights what the process looks like, how you and I can move into be people who are generous, what he has given us. 1 Corinthians 16, looking at verse 1. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I had told the Galatian churches to do. So he told another church. On the first day of every week, each one of you uh, should set aside a sum of money in keeping up with your income, saving it up, so when, when I come for no collections have to be made, let's stop right there. He gives us very clear some steps here. Our first step in the process of moving to become generous is simply the first step is to give something. To give something. You've got to start somewhere, so give something. Throughout the year, as a church, we have various projects that we ask you to give to. Right now, we are, we are getting ready for Halloween, trunk or treat. That Bruce brought that up this morning. And we're asking you to bring in candy, right? Bring in candy so we can bless the children and the dads of our community, right? Dads, you know what I'm talking about. You know, we're looking to give out 70,000 pieces of candy to over 1,000 plus kids and their families. About this summer, we collected binders for the Isaiah 117 project. We ask you to bring in binders so we can be a part of their back-to-school bash. In just over a month, where well, I'm going to say this out loud, you're probably going to yell at me, we'll start collecting shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child, right? And we're going to be celebrating Christmas and sharing the gospel message of Jesus with kids around the world. You know, we, we organize and present these opportunities to you with great intentionality. We, we think this is, why? Because giving is good. Giving is good. We can learn that from our Lord, right? And, and what we want you to do, the church, we continue to ask you to build this as a reflection of how we give because it's a reflection of our Lord and his work in our lives. You know, friends, this is the same when it comes to giving back to God. Right? Our worship is not just through praise and song or time in his word, but we also worship by giving financially as well. Our giving starts by simply giving something. And Paul said, you know, and I'm kind of, kind of upset that he put this there, but he did. He says, each one of you. And so again, me and my rebellious person who I am, I go back, there's got to be a way out of this, right? What does each one of you really mean, Paul? Come on, what is it? Are you trying to pull something on us? Guess what each one of you means? Each one of you. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that, right? Each one of you. That means if you're in this room, you're listening to my voice, watching online, and you're a follower of Jesus, Paul is talking to who? You. Each one of you need to set it aside. Now, this isn't something new, friends. Supporting God's work through giving financially to reach others has been a pattern for Christ followers for centuries. As we read scripture this morning, reading 1 Corinthians 16, and we're going to jump into another passage later, Paul was collecting for the church in Jerusalem. A famine had hit, hit, hit Israel, and God's, people, uh, and God's people weren't struggling, and we were to be giving in love so that they can, God can continue living out their mission in the church in Jerusalem. Paul didn't expect people to give equal amounts, but he did expect everyone to give Something. 
That's our first step. Our first step in the process of becoming generous, we are to give something. So here's the thing. I would love for you to give here. I would love for you to give here. I believe that our first give as Jesus followers needs to be back to his church for his kingdom purposes. But I only want you to give here if you believe that the the mission, and this is the best place to reach people for Jesus. Our mission is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And if you believe in that mission, and you believe that we are doing just that and desire to align your life to do it, then I encourage you to do that. Because when you give, friends, when you give financially, you make that mission possible. With you giving, you are saying, I'm in. I want to make a kingdom difference. And I believe Vertical Church is doing just that. Because your heart agrees with a desire to reach people for Jesus. And you know our desire is not to make it all about Vertical Church. Our desire is to fill heaven with saved souls. Now, if you believe that, I encourage you to give here. But if you know somewhere else you believe is better, give there. But I believe in our church. I believe what our church is doing and who we're reaching and how many people are coming to Christ and lives are being changed, addictions are being broken, families are being turned around, marriages are being saved. I believe what God is doing in this church. We start by giving something. And the process continues being generous by step two, giving regularly. Giving regularly. Look back at verse two. It says, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money. On the first day of every week, that gives us a pattern to follow as Christ followers. Just like everything else we do in life, everything else we want to do and grow in or get better in, we need to build consistency into it, right? When we want to lose weight, we are consistent by the pattern of watching what we eat. If we want to get in shape, we are consistent about the pattern of how how much we exercise. Man, if we want to crush the latest version of the Call of Duty or the new what came out of Fortnite, students, we build a pattern of consistently ignoring our parents playing a game. This is also true in our walk with Jesus. Consistency is key. If we want to grow in our prayer life, guess what we need to do? We need to pray regularly. If we want to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God and his calling on his life, guess what we need to do? We need to read our Bible regularly. And we want to be connected more. Having true communion in life, build, we need to build a consistency to be here at church on a Sunday morning. We need to join a small group and have people going in the same direction in life. We need to do that regularly. And if we want to grow in the grace of giving and we desire to become generous as God has called us to be, then we need to build the pattern of giving regularly in our lives. Again, we can have generous thoughts, and I believe that all of us have generous thoughts. But to actually become generous, we need to step through the process and we need to build a pattern of giving in our lives regularly. 
That's why last week I, I threw out a, a 10, 10, 80 life. We walked through how to build a pattern life. 10, 10, 80, that we're, we're, we're giving, we're saving, we're living, right? Building the pattern, 10% is giving. That builds a pattern in our lives that we're, we're planning for, we're structuring for. We know it's important to give back to God. We need to give something. We need to give regularly. And the third step of becoming generous people is the, in the process is we need to give proportionately. Give proportionately. Look back in verse 2 again. We're going to stick on this one verse. It says, on the first day of each week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. In keeping with your income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections have to be made. Okay, I understand that giving something may be easy. Giving regularly might be a, maybe the first hard step. For, but giving proportionately, I understand this is when the squeeze starts to happen in our lives. A word that is thrown around a lot when it comes to giving proportionally in churches uh, is a word called tithing. I talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, but I believe if someone is new to church, new to Jesus, and they walk in here in a Sunday morning and they hear a pastor or a church leader talk about tithing, I believe they're going to have no clue what we're talking about. They're like, what is tithing? Is tithing a new way that we wash our clothes? You know, we no longer have tie pods but we have tithing. I mean, think about that. Maybe, maybe tithing is a new approved Christian dance that, that churches allow to happen inside their buildings. I mean, think about it. Fortnite has completely changed the word flossing. <laughs> flossing used to be something we did with our teeth. If there are any dentists in the room, I'm sorry. But now it's something all the kids are doing in dancing. They've been doing it for years. Maybe tithing is a posture of praise, you know, a posture of praise or prayer. Maybe this is tithing. That's touchdown, right? Maybe the T-Boeing had this thing. That became a thing for a while that he was doing this. You know, so what is tithing? People are like, I don't understand this word. Well, simply tithing is an Old Testament term. Let me break this down for you. Of giving. A tithe is a tenth. And throughout Old Testament scripture, God has called his people to give their first 10%, their first tenth tithe of harvest to the Lord at the temple so God's work would continue. And what the New Testament churches has brought this, carried this term of the Old Testament into New Testament conversations. But the truth is, friends, again, focus on we are to give God our first and our best, not our leftovers. It's not about doing everything we want to do in life and then see what we have left over and said, yeah, I will give God that. That's not what God wants. He, it needs to be our first. Our first gift as followers of Christ needs to be for kingdom purposes, for God's ministry. In the Old Testament, the ministry was the, at the temple. They have these priests. They would do their work, and, and their goal is to reach people for, for God. Right In the New Testament, the ministry is the church. Paul in the New Testament does not give us percentage. He doesn't say you need to bring your whole tithe to the storehouse. I just say a 10% is a good place to start. And for the Bible scholars in the room that want to meet me after service and have a conversation about this idea, saying that tithing is an Old Testament thing, not a church thing, because we are no longer under the law, but under Christ, 
I always say you're absolutely right. I would agree with you 100%. We are under Jesus. But then I would encourage you to go read Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. How Jesus fulfills the law and everything that we brought from the Old Testament, he brings, starts bringing it in. He ups the ante. Used to be an eye for an eye. No, no, no. No, now it's turned the other cheek. Used to be never ignore those people like they want you to go one mile. He said, no, you'd go two miles. Used to be don't commit adultery. But now it's like, hey, guys, if you're looking at females with the wrong eye, it's considered adultery. Jesus, friends, up the, ups the ante on everything, and especially when it comes to blessing him financially. We can't cut that out because we don't like it. He says, no, no, no. Give. Called to be generous. There's a growing trend. There's a reason why Paul says keeping up with her income. Because there's, there's a growing trend of not being intentional. Many times when we're not intentional, we won't do that. Forbes, friends, did a study Forbes magazine did some research on this, and they said in America, the more people make, the less they give percentage-wise. That's a trend happening in our country. You talk about, I talk about for weeks about how the world is against what God has said to be true in his word. There's an example. For they, they said they brought more, when people brought more and more home, what they gave back to be generous was stayed the same or actually became less. And guess who gave the most? Those who had the least. Come on. We are to give something. We are to give regularly. We're to give proportionally. And our last step of stepping into this life of generosity, step number four, give sacrificially. Give sacrificially. Paul continues this conversation with the Corinthian church. If you have your Bibles, you can go back like four pages. Go to 2 Corinthians. Go, right, uh, go backwards four pages. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Or you can follow on the screen. Orange Bibles, there's page 791. Look what he says. Paul continues this conversation about being generous. And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able to, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service in the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Let's stop there. Giving and being generous is not dependent on our income. Giving and being generous, friends, has, depends on our hearts. These Macedonian churches were once thriving churches, a thriving culture, but because of devastation of war, they were plagued with poverty. But you hear what Paul says? They pleaded to give. They were filled up with joy for the opportunity to give. They considered it a privilege to give. Sacrificial giving 
is probably one of the hardest steps of being generous for every one of us to take. Uh, But truthfully, some of the most joy-filled people I have ever met are those who give sacrificially. I think I've shared this before, but I have seen vehicles given. Someone who needs a car or something for their family, and people have showed up with keys, signed over the title, and handed over. I've seen, I've heard a story, this is absolutely crazy, right? But um, I've seen a story where a checkbook's been handed over to a pastor. I'm not asking for that, just so we're clear. <laughs> and where they said, Pastor, give where you see a need. And when the money gets low, let me know and I'll put a deposit in. What? Steph and I have been on the receiving side of people being sacrificial giving in our lives. It's been completely overwhelming for us. It's possible. It happens all the time. We just need to take the proper steps eventually. God may give us the opportunity to do that. And I get it, when it comes to giving financially, we're filled with fear. Fear's a liar. Has nothing to do with God. In fact, uh, giving generous and being generous is good because, again, it, it truly reflects the character of who God is. You think about how much God has given you. How much he has blessed you with. I'm not even getting to Jesus yet, what he's done through Jesus. But your life right now, how much he has blessed you with. And when we choose to walk through the process and be becoming being generous in our lives, we reflect him to the world. We trust in his purposes. We trust in his plan. And look at it. If you look at verse 7, he finishes, But since you excel in everything, He is praising them. Church, you are growing in these things. Faith, speech, knowledge, complete earnest and love have kindled you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. See, Paul knew the first century church was struggling with this. He said, I've seen all these things that you're doing. You are growing. You're stepping out. All these things are happening. But don't forget about this one thing of supporting what God is doing. And this is called the grace of giving so more people can reach, be reached with the message of hope. So right now, this morning, you're in one of these stages. You're in one of these stages, and you're wondering what's next. Well, what is your next step? If you've never given, maybe today's the day you give something. If you give something, maybe it's the day you start giving regularly. If you do give regularly, maybe it's a time of prayer and talking about giving proportionally. Maybe if you give proportionally, maybe God's going to give you the opportunity to be sacrificially. But every single one of us are at one of these stages. And so when you leave today, everybody's going to be receiving one of these 90-day giving challenges. 90-day giving challenges. And on this card, it says you're a first-time giver. You have an opportunity to put your name and what you're going to be giving. If you increase your giving that you already give, you can say per month or per week, I'm going to increase my giving by this. But I want to challenge you to take a step of faith and to be generous as God has called us to be and see what God does in your life. 
I don't do this because, oh, it's all about this, about money and church. No, I do this because I believe what God is calling you to do. I, believe, I do this because I believe what God calls us in his word. We just need to be willing to walk through it and take the next step. Now, so when you get this, either as an individual or a couple or as a family, go home, take this and pray over it. Talk to God. Read the scriptures. Go back to 2 Corinthians 8. Read chapters 8 and 9. See what God was talking to you about. And then bring them back. Next week, we'll have collection boxes, secured boxes. You drop them in and let us know what God has talked to you about. What is, what is our next steps? Where, we, where do we need to go? What is God asking of you? This is a challenge. And it wouldn't be a challenge if it was, if it was easy, right? So that's what you're going to get again this way out. Listen, never underestimate what God can do with what you can do, friends. When you step in and we start living his principles of giving out in our lives, what he can do to reach more people with a message of hope is nothing short of amazing. Amen? Amen. You're like, are you done yet? (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I know that these conversations are difficult to have especially when we were being challenged like I just threw down. But Father, I know it's real. I believe in your word. I believe what you're calling us to do. And I also believe that we've been bombarded by the world for so long to hear these things from your truth becomes very scary and fill us with fear. And that's not what your word does, Lord. Your word sets us free. Your word is our weapon against what the culture says is true that's not. So God, I thank you for walking through this series. I pray that uh, you've been glorified through it. I pray, God, that you've been challenging us as a church. And as we walk out those doors and start praying over this 90-day challenge, what it means to give, how do we take our next step in being generous? May we always remember what you've done for us. May we be able to look around our homes, look at our children, look at our spouses, look at the things you have blessed us with and understand that you have been greatly generous in our lives. May we look in the mirror and understand that every death, every day is a, a, that we have breath is a praise to you because you give. May we look at our own salvation and understand that you gave your son for us. May we combat the things of the world with you, what you say to be true, that you are our shepherd. We lack nothing. Right now, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And maybe, maybe, this, maybe this moment this morning, church, is an immediate moment for you. You're like, okay, I need prayer for this because I, yeah. Whew. Well, if that is you, come forward. We want to pray with you. We're walking through this together. We don't stand alone. We're walking through it together as a church. And maybe if you have other things going on in your life that we don't know, but God does, and you want to, you want to be prayed over, come on forward. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to lift you up the one who loves you the most. We want to walk with you in this thing called life. God, thank you again for this day. We look forward to next Sunday, but we take nothing away from what you're revealing to us today.
May you get all the glory and the praise. We're here to worship you. We're here to serve you. We're here to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing week.